What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. So the theory we're going with today is that the right questions in a job interview can actually help you get the job. It's less about the answers you deliver to the questions they have and more about you coming to the interview with questions you care about. And I think what we see in so many of these interviews is that people aren't sure of what the right questions are to ask. First question, I think everybody wants, everybody needs to ask of themselves before they even start asking of the interview, uh, the interviewee, is how do you decide what company you want to work for? Yeah, that's a tough part. Like I've I've gone back and forth with this uh, many times in in my career. Like I think the the best takeaway I've ever had to figuring out you know what type of company you want to work for is to just trying different things. Um, you know the size of company, the type of people you work with, the department you work in. There's so many different variations of like what is a marketer inside a company, and like the only real way to know if you're gonna like it or not is to try it. So like mm-hmm. when when I was in university, I I did a co-op work term, and like you don't have to do a degree anywhere to like do any of this. Like it's basically just like finding an opportunity somewhere and trying it. So like I tried uh, working with a big public institution at the University of Ottawa I worked in government and like I knew right away that like those big massive enterprises were you know a lot of bureaucracy you're kind of uh, so I think that's interesting right like you got to do some soul searching and knowing like like do you want to be on the front line do you want to be the one executing do you want to be you know uh, comfortable in the position Ottawa is known for government workers right and a lot of government (laughs) workers that you talk to are like we're going to spend the next 25 years in here get that sweet sweet Canadian pension and then retire and go off in the sunset and live at my cottage <laughs> yeah. but for us in the tech space it's so foreign to talk to to folks even older folks who are used to you work with a company for 25 years and what you hit upon i think is interesting is almost the experimental nature of our own of our own careers what have you found in your own career experimenting in terms of where you land on on what you like to work for in a company yeah, so I spent like a year working for a marketing agency uh, right before I graduated, and I fell in love with the group of people that I was working with. Like I, I, I felt like I found my culture, like the tight knit team of small number of folks. You know, like we we went out for dinner, like after mm-hmm. work, or like we did a, little, a lot of social activities together. Like it was a really cool tight knit group, and we worked with a lot of tech companies as kind of our clients. And um, I noticed that a lot of our clients needed help with the tech tools that they had. So like the mm-hmm. agency was an environmental marketing agency. So we helped these companies with like uh, their kind of like green, uh, green labels and like help them mm-hmm. uh, kind of stand out in, in their stakeholders in terms of like how environmentally friendly their, their products were. Um, but a lot of like these tech clients that we had were just like, okay, like now that we have all these new messages and this messaging map, like we need to deploy this in this email tool or like, we don't know how to do this or how to do that. And I got the itch of just like helping some of these guys. Uh, Like a lot of them were using HubSpot. Some of them were still using MailChimp. A few of them had like graduated to different tools. So Mm -hmm. I got like that itch of like, I I know that, you know, not necessarily like agency or or in-house, um, but like I wanted to work with a small-ish company to, mm-hmm. to see that impact, like the the, the results driven of like um, getting to see and do shit like really, really fast. Um, but yeah, it was just like a matter of like actually trying.
trying stuff out to, to get that consensus. And I know like you hit upon an interesting point, which is like the work environment. So, you know, switching gears a little bit, you got to do some soul searching to figure out what type of place you want to do. Evidently, you've done that in your career quite a bit. Um, how do you start asking questions during the interview process to understand like what's what's the work culture like? How does it balance against the the opportunity to work with a cool tool tool set? Yeah, there's a lot of questions you can ask um, in an interview. Like my my favorite question to ask that I'll, I'll always ask is get a sense of the, the person that's interviewing me who's at that company. What is it that they love the most about the company? And like most people will just kind of give you a blanket statement saying like, oh, I love the people that I work with. Um, and then I dig deeper. I just like, why? And then like I, I ask the second why after that, you know, like it's usually like, oh, like everyone's kind of laid back. It's really cool. Everyone's really smart. Okay. But like, why why is that like the the number you, one thing at that company? you sound you sound so much like my toddler and i think it's such a good thing why <laughs> why why and it, eventually you end up in an existential situation and you're like because the universe was created joking aside i think those are really good questions to have one thing um i know you and i have talked about which i want to uh, jump ahead a little bit and dive into now which is you ask, you always ask a lot of questions about like recent projects that are being completed in the company or what upcoming projects are being completed. Talk a little bit what you're looking for when you're asking questions of, of a hiring manager of, you know, what project have you guys just shipped? Yeah, so usually like the job description is the only kind of like middle uh, ground between like the interviewer and the interviewee on like what that role is going to be going forward. But like we all know that job descriptions are very dynamic. They change on like a recurring basis. So like a great question to ask a company and like usually you would ask this to the hiring manager, which is like early on in, in, the, in the interview stage, is to get a sense of like what that um, the hiring manager thinks is going to be the big projects, like the upcoming projects, like on the roadmap in the next like quarter, what are going to be some of the projects you're going to dive into. So that that question itself, like allows you to unpack the like, you can kind of go behind the scenes in the hiring manager and, and kind of see what's most important to them. But you also get a taste of like, the projects you're going to work in, like you yeah. are going to be day in and day out on those projects for the first mm -hmm. like quarter. And if you're not a huge fan, or if those projects don't necessarily get you excited, chances are like the projects that come after that, like aren't going to get you as, as motivated either. I think that's a really interesting point. And I want to dive one, one layer deeper on this because I think of many of, of the folks in our audience are going to be a little bit more junior than you or I are in our career. So you almost have this like psychic sense of, oh, you just, you know, you just deployed a marketing automation solution. I know, I know how wily and how crazy that can be. What are the red flags you look for when you ask those types of questions about projects? Yeah, so some of the red flags would be like projects that are completely out of the scope of the position itself. Um, mm -hmm. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like if you're if you're hiring, if you're interviewing for a marketing ops position or a marketing technology position, like in most companies, regardless of size, like that's going to be involved around like the marketing tech, so like the marketing website, like the marketing automation tool. Mm -hmm. um, but if if the, some of the projects that like the company is talking about are actually like in the scope of like the sales tool 
tools or like they, they talk about, you know, sales engagement tools, or maybe it's like on uh, the, the website itself. Like, so it's, there's like potentials where like some of the answers that come out, you, you can kind of see those, like I call them like yellow flags. Like they're not red flags. Like, Oh, this company doesn't know what they're doing. Cause oftentimes a company that's hiring a marketing ops person or a marketing tech person isn't like super familiar with what that mm-hmm. role is going to be. And that person is going to grow and like the role is going to evolve or whatever. Um, but like knowing right off the bat, whether you have the same type of alignment as the company on what that role is like a great way to really put that into, into picture is like, what, what are the earlier projects going to look like? Oh, that's such a good question. I love the approach there because, you know, in my own past, like as a hiring manager, as somebody who's also interviewed in these positions, I've asked those questions and didn't listen as closely as I could have to like, for instance, with one project, I realized that decision-making behind the project was actually a huge red flag for how the company overall operated, particularly when I said, well, hey, you know, I'm a expert in, in web and digital marketing, want to hold off on this big project another two, three weeks until I come on board and I can really help this project. And the decision was already made. No, no, no. We're going to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so listening, finding these red flags is important, but I think my takeaway is also you got to listen to your gut. Yeah, I got to listen to your gut and like you can't be afraid about asking the tough questions like the the interviewers go in there with a list of questions and you should do the same. And I feel like a lot of folks don't ask some of the questions that are the most important to them. Like a lot of folks early on in their career, are like looking for problems more so than uh, actual salary. Um, mm-hmm. But salary is like this big hot topic debate. And usually um, in the first round of interviews, the, the recruiter will ask you like what your salary range is. Mm-hmm. And that will set the scene for, you know, if you're a final candidate, like your first offer is going to be right in that range of like what, what you spoke about. Um, but I actually like promoting the idea with uh, a lot of the students that I have, like, and, and I've done this myself many times and I've never had pushback is to actually ask the company and before they ask you what your range is, you yeah. ask the company what their range is for that position. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's like seeing people naked, right? It's very uncomfortable the first couple of times, but once yeah. you get used to it, you go to a steam room and you just get used to, you know, that's just the way, that's just the way we operate. I think salary is just another aspect of the, of the job and making ourselves a little less nervous about asking that question up front is, is so valuable. Yeah. And I what also, you find sometimes is like a company will have like a, a wide range for that salary yeah. for the candidate. So like, if you answer that question with a very narrow range, you're either like in the extreme or in the middle or right at the start of their range. And so like the yeah. offer is just going to be in, in that kind of ballpark. So like you asking that question first, you're able to see like, oh shit, like this company is willing to go way beyond like what I'd be happy to take or mm-hmm. like, wow, this company is like a hard stop, like right before my range. So like, it's not even worth going to the next interview. Um, but like that, the answer to that question should uh, like shape your answer when they kind of flip it back to you after. And it's interesting because there once was a time in in life when knowing the average salary for for a position was hard to find, but now we can Google it and it's very reliable. It almost always lines up with like internal HR data. Every time I've done the HR data sheet on something like, oh, what's this role going to hire for? It's accurate to Google. So Google is going to tell you kind of when they have a position title, if they really thought about the title and matched it against what the industry expectations are. And then you can also get... The reason I like this question so much is because you can anchor yourself right away. Like, you're right. You hit something really interesting, which I, I think is worth teasing out, which is companies put job descriptions up, but what they're looking for are people. And oftentimes, they'll have a range in the back of their head that's like, hey, look, you know, uh, we're looking for anybody between, let's say, 
60 and 90K. Well, that's a huge band in terms of the seniority of people that you could bring into that position. Mm -hmm. But what it tells you is that they're holding their cars back for a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. There's there. Yeah. There's a nice hint there. Like if you're, if you're going into that job and you're like, your expected like number is around like 70 or 75, for example, and the company tells you that they're willing to go up to 90, like you should more than likely like ask for 80 or like ask for 85 and then kind of come back down and settle around like 80 or 75. But knowing just that, that, that company is like valuing the role, um, in, in a specific band is like super useful as, as you're kind of getting into the later stages of the interviews. But yeah, that, those are, that's, that's like one question that a lot of folks are kind of afraid of asking that I mm -hmm. like to, to, to kind of shine light on. Um, but there's different questions that you should be asking based on the size of company that you're interviewing with. Um, so I'm usually going to interview with a company who's in, in like startup size uh, of employees or in, in that scaling mode. Like I'm, I'm always looking for like that 300 ish or less. Um, and, and so like, if you're interviewing with a startup size company and your role is going to be in marketing, um, some of the questions you want to be asking is about the infrastructure setup, like, uh, the tech right now that has been implemented in that mm, startup, yeah. what does it look like? Who is responsible for data in that company? Is there one person who's kind of like owning the data pipeline, the ETL transfers, like as a marketer, who's going to be ingesting a lot of that data and using it to report and to like, to attribute different campaigns or whatever, like knowing mm -hmm. right off the bat, joining that company, whether you're going to have help in that or you're not like, those are two oh, man. completely and, different opportunities. And getting into, and getting into data and the underpinnings of analytics in a company, it can be such a game changer because, Hey, you know, a lot of us marketers, Phil, you, I know your background came from more of the creative side, right. In terms of you had the e-commerce side, we talked to earlier about how you kind of had a graphics and design aspect to what you did. For myself, I'm a writer. I came into this from a writing background. Like talking about ETL, it's like scares the shit out of me. And so knowing if I'm going to be in a high power position, it's got a lot of reporting. And then they're looking to me to do that reporting. And then I'm looking to them to do that reporting. And there's nobody there. <laughs> it, it, it could be a big red flag, especially yeah. around the expectations in your role. Definitely. Yeah. Big red flag for sure. It, it's so interesting, right? The, the improvisation of data skill sets that marketers do um, until they can hire somebody else. But you're asking about MarTech stacks, you're inspecting elements, you're looking in the console to see what sources are there. You see Marketo, HubSpot, Hotjar, whatever. What does it tell you? Like when you ask about Mar MarTech stack, what are you looking for um, from somebody's tech stack? And, and what does it tell you in, their, in terms of their answer? Yeah. So depending on the size of company, like if, if you're interviewing with a, a larger company in that scaling mode, like you want to look at their tech stack to be a bit more mature than, than a startup company. And this is less specifically about tools themselves, but how, how the tools are kind of working behind the scenes and how they're all kind of talking to each other. So traditionally like a, a startup company or a smaller company will be using Zapier as kind of like their, their integrator, their way to like stitch all the different tools tools together. Yeah, um, yeah. and because Zapier is amazing and you can like hook any tool up to it basically. Um, but it's, it's not like it, as your company is scaling up and you've got like 150 different zaps in your instance, like stitching everything up together. Like it's, it's a bit of a hacky solution in like the, mm -hmm. the marketing tech world. And so if you're joining like a, a more mature company kind of growing, um, you want to be looking for things like that, that like they're, they're migrating off of Zapier and using like a segment or, you know, hold.io like something where you've got 
um, as CDP, like a customer data platform where you're able to, to finally like aggregate data from a bunch of different sources. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of like this maturity math, uh, maturity path to companies reaching like an analytics model of, mm-hmm. of maturity and sophistication. And yeah. so you want to be asking those questions to kind of figure out like, is the company in that right stage or are they kind of like moving in into the right areas basically? I know it's a little boring because we're all living through the pandemic, but like everybody wants a remote job now, right? Like going into the office is a huge risk. These jobs are now far more competitive than they were. If you're, you know, working in a local tech scene and you're used to walking in for your interviews, now you're, you're probably competing against a huge pool of candidates and that comes with both good and bad. How do you differentiate yourself? Yeah, it's so tough right now. Like there's a lot of people just like throwing their names in the hats whenever there's a a remote company that has a remote job posting. Now more than ever, there's more competition uh, when you're trying to to join a remote company or a job that's fully remote. So like more than ever, it's it's, it's incredibly important to stand out right now. So, you know, I, I, we could do a full episode on like how to get an interview or like an intro meeting with someone at your dream company. Um, But like, that's, that's part of the role right now is like, you don't, don't, you don't have to wait for a job posting to be alive. Um, Start those conversations, like reach out to potential hiring managers on LinkedIn or follow them on Twitter, Um, figuring out like what you are better at than anybody else in the world. Like what is your superpower? And, um, you know, how, how can you show the company that like, uh, how much you learn on your own, not just in kind of your day to day, like talk about the mentors you have, the courses you've taken, the Slack groups you're part of, like show your passion, um, in, mm-hmm. in the industry, in the space with like projects or whatever. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely like cool tactics that you can do, like sending cover letters via video or, yeah. you know, playing a lot on the remote factor. Like, yeah. um, if you're hiring for, or if you're interviewing for an email job, like tell the manager you wrote an email series as like an introduction to yourself. Like I've, I've got a bunch of those ideas, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really tricky right now to, to stand yeah. out in, in the remote candidate world. I got to say like for me hiring anybody, like I'm very, I don't know, I consider myself a little unorthodox in, in some of the interviews. Like I prefer to, to look at candidates and, and almost have a jam session with them. Cause I, my thought is we're going to be jamming together and riffing on all kinds of uh, marketing stuff. Love that. So like the curiosity factor to me as a hiring manager, like you hit upon that point, but I think people who are super curious, like if it's a SaaS software you're interviewing for, take the fucking trial. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not, you know, try to get it anyways. And and if you can't do that, like come in and say like, uh, I think these are your personas. Here's your value propositions. And then like almost come into that interview ready to say, you know, let's not do the interview. Let's just get to work. And that all of a sudden, like you get you in the interview and you're like, okay, I want to go, I want to figure out how to put this person on this next big project. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you're interviewing with a SaaS company or a tech company and they have a free trial or a tool that you can get your hands on like that, that goes without saying, like definitely dive in and, and try the tool, take deep notes. And in your interview, like highlight those notes and talk about things that you think you can uh, improve and solutions that you can bring forward. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things you can do to, to kind of prepare for an interview. But uh, I really like the one about, um, you know, not being shy about asking the company what their salary range is for that position. Um, that'll set you up for, for success uh, from a salary negotiation perspective, but also getting able to see like what, what the company is thinking about the role. Yeah. Boom. Boom. All right, Phil. Thanks so much, man. All right, guys. We'll chat with you guys soon.